Welcome to the Texan Connection with your hosts, Dr. Jeff Springer, Marty Silverman, and Dr. Daryl Porter. We hope you enjoy. Well, my brothers, it's been too long, and um, I can't believe I'm looking at the calendar, and it's the 24th of July, and I I, I do almost feel, I, I, I say almost, Marty and, and Daryl, but really and specifically in terms of campuses, so really Marty, that kind of that dual anticipation anxiety, but excitement at the same time as this time of year starts rolling around and it's time to go back to school and get ready for school. So uh, I've missed you guys and we're on episode 10. We're double digit now and um, I'm just ready to get back into this uh, Texan Connection um, Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of us had some vacation time. We had the opportunity to get away with our families and friends, and why don't we just tell our listeners a little bit about where we've been the past couple of weeks and the reason why we haven't um, haven't haven't had the opportunity to record uh, recently. Marty, tell us a little bit about your summer. What what's been going on? Oh, we had uh, such a great uh, traveling summer. You know, it was nice to be able to travel again after really kind of feeling like we couldn't travel for quite a while, but we. I uh, got a chance to take a three-day weekend uh, to Seattle and enjoy some cool rainy weather up there uh, before it got super hot um, in Seattle. And then after that, we took a driving trip to beautiful Iowa to visit family and friends, my wife's family and friends. We got to got to spend a night in Lincoln, Nebraska and you know, uh, you guys know that college towns are something uh, that I enjoy visiting. And so we got to spend a little time there and take a nice uh, Midwestern drive. How about you, Jeff? Oh, my gosh. it's It was uh, 15 days in um, really three locations. We started off in, in uh, near Darrell, and I got to meet Daryl for the first time, you know, after we've done all this together and, 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 and I echo Daryl's sentiments that, you know, I felt like I, we'd known each other forever, uh, even after only meeting for the first time in Fort Worth. So my wife and I got to meet Daryl. And then at the beginning of our vacation, uh, in June, I think it was around the 13th. And then we traveled to Colorado and, uh, experienced a family reunion that was in the very, um, what was, I guess, southwest corner of Nebraska, about three hours from Denver for a couple of days. And then we were back in Denver and I was blessed to help co-lead a superintendent, uh, what we call superintendent advance in Golden, Colorado. Um, so with a colleague of mine that, so we were reunited there as well. And, um, and then back to back to Magnolia on the 26th and my wife and I celebrated in our pool that we've been our brand new pool that we've been waiting to get in for almost a year through this COVID chaos uh, and celebrated our uh, 40th uh, wedding anniversary in the pool 
uh, on the 27th of June. So we've been home now. Uh, we just, you know, the month of July, but uh, really we, every day has been kind of a vacation for us. We're still on the honeymoon uh, pool style in the backyard. So um, every time there's no rain, if we get a little window, we are putting our suits on and getting in the pool. So um, that's my story. And it's been, it's been a very, um, eventful but refreshing uh, summer month. That's great. And happy 40th anniversary. You know, uh, fun fact, I was negative four whenever you guys were uh, married. So that's, that's, that's an accomplishment uh, in and of itself to, uh, to be married that long. So that's, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, you weren't even you weren't even a glimmer in your no, parents' eyes. Negative not. four. Yeah, that's something. That's something, Daryl. Negative four. Yeah, negative four. I was. I was. Uh, I was not even. Not even thought about being thought about. Yeah, it was. Oh I gosh. mean, my my parents were still living their best lives, uh, probably as kids. Um, but yeah, no, that was, uh, that's great. That's, that's exciting. And yeah, no, it was great to, to, to meet you and, uh, your wonderful wife. We actually had the opportunity to meet you twice. So we, we went to, uh, Denver, my wife and I did with uh, a few other couples and just had that time away and went whitewater rafting for the first time. That was great. Um, got to, that was the first time I've ever been to Colorado, never been to Colorado. My wife's been one time. Um, went during the summer month and, and it was one of the summer months and it was, it was beautiful. It was great. Um, and then we had to, had the opportunity to, to travel down with another family to Galveston, get a beach house down in Galveston, um, and then made another stop to have lunch, um, with you and with Jeff and, and got to just kind of break bread there. And he got to meet my crazy kids as they were throwing tortillas. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was such a blessing. Your wife is, I would say that no doubt without even meeting her, she was the, uh, Marty, uh, would have, is the, probably the perfect, um, elementary, uh, school teacher. Well, I'm just so envious that you guys got to do that. Not just once, but twice this summer. Yeah, we definitely need to need to plan a trip down to San Antonio, um, which I think I think Jeff, you're you're doing that yeah. here coming up. Yeah, aren't you? the trifecta is we just got to get us all in the same room. But yeah, on, on yeah. August 10th, I, I'm not gonna, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm coming to San Antonio five times in the next uh, this next school year, 21, 22. I'm wow. contracted five times, but uh, once in August and September, November, and two dates uh, TBA. Uh, in the spring, but I'm not going to bypass San Antonio to go to Uvalde without seeing my brother, Marty. So yeah, we're going to figure it out. Even if it's, uh, even if it's, you know, just a drive by throw a hug, you know, so it's going to happen. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening that haven't necessarily heard our first few podcasts, maybe this is your first time. Um, so, so we started this, this podcast and never, really met each other. We, we had a connection through the COVID lockdown over, um, social media and just felt like we have aligned, um, but also have our differences and wanted to explore, you know, starting a podcast one without ever meeting each other. Um, and two, just with our experiences and, and, and all three of us being from, different parts of the state of Texas and different experiences and, and, and different life stages. And, 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 um, so 
that's that's kind of our story. If you haven't uh, if you haven't if you haven't heard us prior to to listening now, but I do want to get into kind of our our topic. And and before I do that, Marty, I want to ask you a question. How how are you doing as an elementary school principal with hiring, filling out your staff? So this year has been. I mean, significantly more challenging. The what I notice is we have many fewer applicants for positions. Um, we have positions that are opening up later. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I hadn't told you this before we started recording, but I have a teacher that resigned yesterday, and oh, wow. that I'm gonna, yeah that I'm going to have to uh, and and he's leaving the education profession completely. And so I'm going to have to find somebody to fill that position. And I can tell you that applicants are few and far between. Yeah, we're kind of finding that. And for those of you who are listening, you know, I was working in a particular district. I've now transitioned to another district as the director of CTE. So I have a, a, a different type of responsibility when it comes to hiring. I get to hire these unique um, teachers who have a, a specific specialty. Um, had the opportunity to hire a culinary arts teacher straight out of the kitchen. So that's kind of my hiring. So, so we're seeing a shortage. I have an ag science teacher that I need to hire. Um, so if, you, if you're in the market for an ag science job, Hit, hit us up on, on texanconnection3 at gmail.com. Um, but we're looking for an ag science teacher in, in those those specified positions. And uh, we just, uh, they're just not out there right now. Um, so so we're, we're kind of experiencing that same teacher shortage. Uh, Jeff, what about you? You, you train teachers yeah. and you train. So, so what are you seeing over in, in, in your position? Yeah, of course. Um... You know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like one of my jobs as, as being a university site coordinator for Sam Houston state is that, um, you know, I feel responsible for trying to help these, uh, these graduates, these teachers that go through the program, um, student teaching to get a job. I mean, you know, so, um, and we've done pretty well, um, you know, for teachers that are coming, out of the universities now that, you know, as with this teacher shortage, obviously it's a, it's kind of a, uh, I guess you would say compared to the housing market, kind of a buyer's market. They have a lot of choice. They have a lot more choices because there is such a shortage. Um, but obviously they're coming is, you know, as, as Marty sitting in the principal's, uh, chair, you know, he's looking for ex- some experience too. And these kids obviously are brand new. And so they, I, I, Honestly, I, I would have hired almost as a principal, I would have hired almost uh, all any of my teachers. My had 10 this past spring, uh, seven were day one ready, you know, so they're being prepared. Um, there's no doubt. And now now we're starting a new program that most of the universities have adopted is a year long residency. Uh, where some of them, some of these districts are actually paying student teachers as residents as paraprofessionals um, at the elementary and middle school level uh, to subsidize you know a year long uh, program and whereas uh, you know before it was a twelve week uh, two placement and almost like a microwave experience and but um, 
yeah, I, I don't see a demand on, on the, and the front end, there is not a, I don't see, at least at our university, a diminishing of candidates in our programs. Um, our programs are full, but, um, huh. but what's ha- I guess, the, you know, the question as we delve into this is, so what happens to, um, why are they it not, not the question is not, uh, where are the candidates? It's why are the current educators leaving? You know, well, I do want to I do want to weigh in on that just to just a a touch, because, you know, I have a first year teacher in the family. Now I have my youngest child, my son, Easton, who is going to be starting his first year teaching. And I can tell you one of the unusual uh, occurrences that's happened right now with the the shortage. And because I think there is something of a shortage at least in our area, I, I'm not seeing the same number of of uh, student teachers and you know people going into the education program. But the state recently changed the certification process, and you know, of course, a teacher can't be hired unless they have full certification. Well, I can tell you that um, in I'll give you just an example using my my boy. He is certified. Uh, EC 12 special education and found out that he is unable to take almost any special education job because he needed to also be certified as a general education teacher. That's a new requirement. Well, that new requirement requires three more exams that have to be, you know, you have to be prepped, scheduled, take them, pass them, get your, you know, get your results, get them added to your certificate. And so uh, I'm finding that I have people because they've added certification requirements this year, uh, even for a general, you know, education teacher, not special education, uh, they've added an extra test in the elementary. And so we have just the logistical, you know, getting those all done, taken, and put on the certificate before these people can be hired. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some front end, uh, even with even even as I mentioned, we went from we're going from a 12 week one semester student teaching requirement. Even within the university, the requirements are now year long, and so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there, students out there that that can't afford to uh, not work for a whole year and not get paid. That's why this one program for, I think four out of my 12 students this fall are actually going to be, as I mentioned, with a, a concurrent program in partnership with the district in Sam Houston, a grant are, are actually being able to hire these four, four out of 12, but the other eight, uh, um, you know, they've got to drive there themselves. And then they have to, besides that, they have to go to the university three days a week and uh, two days at the campus and three days in the fall at camp at the campus level. Some of it's online, but some of it has to be in person. And and uh, and and most of them have to work too to support this program. So it's it's the the it's a good bad it's a double edged sword. It's a good thing that the the requirements are being uh, you know upped so to speak uh, 
fine tune, but on the other end, it's making it even more difficult to get into the profession where there is a shortage. Yeah, I want to, I did something uh, here earlier. I got on Twitter and I just, in the search bar, typed in teacher shortage. And I wanted to see what people across, I guess, the nation um, are saying about, because I'm starting to to see different tweets from all over, from West Virginia, from Indiana, Texas, obviously. So I wanted to just kind of read a, some of these tweets and I wanted to have some discussions. Uh, these aren't uh, academic tweets. These are obviously feelings. Um, these are just experiences that people have had. Um, so I don't want to, I want to preface that, pre- preface this by saying that I want to say this isn't an academic article. This isn't anything that, you know, we can back and say it was peer reviewed. These are, these are feelings and these are, these are thoughts and experiences from people making these tweets. However, there is value in that because those same people who are having these thoughts and these, these, uh, feelings are leaving the field for whatever reason. Um, and so just wanted to expose that and wanted to talk a little bit about it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to identify, I'm just going to read a couple of these tweets. So like one says, I quit my teaching job and now make more money working 15 hours a week, less working for a nonprofit. I get told, thank you way more and get blamed for way less. Remember me next time you hear about the teacher shortage. So that's something that, uh, somebody put out. Another tweet said, we have a teacher shortage because we have shorted teachers, plain and simple. As I scroll down, um, I'm seeing, let's see if I can find another one. Uh, here's another one. I don't, I don't know how you do it. Nurses and teachers are really getting hit hard in the ways, in ways they never dreamed of. I know we will soon be facing a shortage of both who wants to risk her life daily just by doing your job. Stay safe. I'm, I'm assuming that's, you know, built around you know, the COVID concerns. Um, so yeah, these are, these are definitely tweets. These are definitely real feelings, real, real thoughts, real experiences from teachers in the classroom. What are your thoughts on these? Marty, go ahead, brother. So, um, you know, that is people's real life that, you know, people who post that are posting their real perceptions you know, a lot of it is your perception of your um, position, your circumstances. That uh, it's it certainly doesn't stand for everybody. Uh, I think teachers, uh, depending on where you are, what district you're in, what administration you work for, you know, there are people who have uh, much much better experiences than that. But I will say this there is the the amount of requirement, the amount of expectation uh, for different minutia that a teacher has to do can definitely pull people into another realm. So uh, the, I think uh, I was telling you guys that I just lost a teacher to another, um, industry. And what he was telling me yesterday was that in his new job, first of all, he'll start off uh, with about a $10,000 raise, but also he will have the opportunity to make bonuses. And so his feeling is his work will directly affect his um, 
compensation, his performance. And, you know, that is a big deal. That is a big deal. When you feel like you are kind of in control of how well you do, that's, uh, you know, definitely something that might lure you out of the teaching profession. Yeah, definitely. There, you know, and I know the state of Texas, and I know we've talked about this before, there is a, you know, an initiative out, uh, at least in the state of Texas, that's called the teacher incentive allotment, which kind of mimics that to an extent, right? Um, The only difference, I guess, um, with some industries is that it is, you know, on a comparative scale. And so you, you are, you, you are working and, and, and you have to, you're, 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 it's subjective when it comes to like, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's objective. No, 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 that's right. I said it correct. It's subjective when it comes to teacher evaluation. Um, because if you get a bad evaluator or what you deem to be a bad evaluator, then it, you know, it can, it could ruin your chances to, to get some sort of, uh, compensation when it comes to, you know, trying to hit all of the marks. So I see education trying to go that route, but it's going to be a long, long time before you're able to, to, to match what industry is, um, projecting when it comes to compensation. And then another thing we talked about that I'm, that I'm reading is the seniority effect, right? So the, the step, the longer you're in it, the more you get paid. Um, and even you may have a 20 year teacher who is not that great at their job and a year two teacher who is phenomenal at their job. Um, and you, you're not allowed to, you know, match compensation. Now there's creative ways to provide stipends and all of that kind of stuff. But, but I mean, there, there needs to be a, a full, in my opinion, a, a reconfiguration of how teachers get paid, um, based on steps and seniority, um, and, and really try to figure out how to compensate teachers, um, effectively when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, when you, when you do compare to the real world, corporate world, it's, you know, we're on this, like you said, many districts are on this step pay with very little latitude for compensating outstanding performances and, um, I, th- I think, the, the, you know, one of the reasons why people have shied away from that is because how do you, you know, it's so difficult to determine what, you know, this merit pay system that districts uh, uh, kind of play with or, and you know, uh, dabble with, so to speak, some, some of the districts. Um, I, I've never been in a district where that was a sustaining uh, I've heard, but I've had neighboring districts that have utilized some type of merit pay or recognition of, of, um, success monetarily. But, um, yeah, whatever, you know, what other professions are there out there that are professional that, um, you know, you're locked in based on number of years and not what you bring to the table. Um, so I, I would think that a lot of people are, um, that are in education or taking a look around. Yeah. The, I mean, the benefit to me is in education is, is the stability in most cases versus, you know, um, you know, more risk, 
you know, higher risk sometimes out there in the, in the corporate world or some would people, people would say the real world, but, uh, but also more reward, you know, in some ways, but, um, I have a real, I have a real difficulty with, when we were talking about this in the pre-recording, I kind of, you know, held back because I wanted to have that conversation in, you know, on this episode, you know, I have a real, you know, that, that tweet that you mentioned, Daryl, the bartender, first of all, that's a sad, that's sad. That's yeah. really sad. Uh, it makes, it breaks my heart that, um, that the teacher has a second or third job or actually leaves the educational world making a, in my opinion, an eternal difference in lives of children and other, um, you know, sphere of influence to, to, to go be a bartender, not to diminish the role of the bartender, because I'm sure even that can be a ministry. It's all a ministry. It depends. But I just, uh, I, I would say in my, it, in, I would say in some cases, not all cases, the person who makes that decision uh, really probably went into education perhaps for the wrong reason and um, and maybe uh, just uh, that's that's the that's the tipping point that take that person out of education. Uh, and I, I, I also feel like educators and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rambling right now, but I also feel that teachers in particular, and those of us in education sometimes are not the best big picture people. And we were, we are concerned about the here and now. And, um, I, I'm, I'm always sad when a great teacher leaves the profession to go somewhere else, uh, instead of making a career out of education and, and really having a, uh, you know, a life that's um, fulfill, fulfilling because it's purposeful in serving others and making a difference in people's lives that um, and at the end of the in Texas, in, uh, you know, a, a pretty strong teacher retirement system yeah. that um, that does, you know, reward longevity. But the problem is, is we don't have many career educators anymore, Marty. Well, well Jeff, let me let me hop in here. Sorry, Marty. I want to I want to hop in here and just kind of comment on one thing that you mentioned, um, and and really explore that. So, so one of the statements that you made was maybe they didn't get into it for the right reason, and this was the tipping point. Um, I will say that there are there are plenty of teachers who absolutely I can argue got into it for the right reason. Uh, but some of the reasons that they never got into it started showing up. So what I mean is lack of support. We're going to talk about the lack of support by administration, but also the way that you get spoken to by, by, by parents now, um, is, is, um, somewhat outrageous at, at, at some point. Um, and, and, uh, that, w- you, you may get into it for the best of reasons. Hey, I'm here to make a difference, but there's only so much that I think we can, we can take. And I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I'm saying that is a reason that I have heard um, when it comes to, to, I guess, educating children. Now I will say on the, on the, on the flip side, I am going to say this, our parents, our sending, our, our parents are sending their most precious asset. Um, 
And, and so with that comes high expectations, but also there is a human component to that, that, um, you know, I think sometimes we forget about when it comes to speaking to other humans in, in general. And I think, I think a lot of teachers have gotten beaten up. Um, I've experienced seeing that, um, a lot of teachers have, have, have been, have gotten beaten up by, by both parents and, and administration. Administration sometimes kind of shies away from, um, you know, backing the teacher for, I guess, easeability, right? So I don't have to, I don't have to deal with a parent or I don't have to, to, you know, if this will smooth over the situation, I'll just kind of do that. But what that does is it, it, it makes dents in the culture. And so, whether or not they, they're getting into it for the right or wrong reason, I think there are still aspects of education that other, you know, other industries such as bartending. Very rarely do you see somebody yelling at a bartender um, or yelling at somebody in a nonprofit, um, but but you see that often in, in, in the field of education. You know, I, I wanted to chime in as well because one of the things, Jeff, that you talked about was uh, and I think it is what brought most of us into this profession is our desire to make a difference and to serve. But I will tell you this, um, our desire to serve and our um, willingness to, you know, uh, work under conditions, etc., that doesn't, you know, put gas in the car and that doesn't uh, buy us a house and and. I think that there is a deep, deeply held perception that we as uh, educators, especially if you're a classroom educator, that you should not expect to make a whole bunch of money uh, because you should expect that you're doing this job just to serve your community. And I think that that is unfair. In a lot of ways, and you know what? If you want to look, you know, you know, deeply back into this, uh, it education was typically a, a women's profession, you know, back in the day, and and so there were the expectation was that the teacher would have a husband that you know earned more money and was able to do that, and really the way that you what what people found out was that if you want to make more money, you have to leave the classroom in order to do that, as all three of us did. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say this as well. When people ask, why do teachers leave the classroom to become administrators? Uh, you almost never hear the person actually say, it's because I want to make more money. But I'm going to say that that's right there for a lot of us. Yeah, Um I agree. You know, when you're the, when you are, um, when you are the primary bread winner, so to speak, and um, in education, there's only really so many different ways to financially support your family um, for, for the, you know, with, unless both um, adults in the family are, are working it 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 is a it is the it is the vehicle financially to stay so so to speak in the game longer uh, by going into administration. I will tell you that I became an administrator. Bec I mean, let's face it; uh, it's it was nice to be paid to be 
the principal, but I wanted to be a high school principal. I wanted my, I, I wanted, that was just more like, just like when I was in coaching and I was at a, a, uh, an assistant, I wanted to become a coordinator. And once I became a coordinator, I wanted to be the head coach. And so as an assistant principal, associate principal, the, the normal, uh, you know, path for me was, was to become, uh, you know, the head coach of a campus to become the principal. And so that's all I wanted to be. I did it for 14 years in one building. So, uh, I never wanted to go any, any further, even though I could have made more money at central office and, and a lot less, um, uh, probably a lot less in, uh, direct conflict, you know, on a day-to-day or opportunities, so to speak, uh, on a daily basis and a lot less responsibility. And, but, uh, again, um, I, that's what I wanted to be. So, um, and, and, and that's what I was. So I think that again, if, uh, and I didn't make near as much as the principal in my district that I did some of my cohorts as principals in other districts. And I could have left, uh, and gone somewhere else to another district at the, in the same role, making 25 or 30, $40,000 more. So I think, uh, I, I think there is a point, you know, where you, uh, the balance between being paid, but also having purpose. Yeah. Um, so, so now what I, I, I want to get into, because we're, we're, we're kind of running out of time and I want to, I want to ask, just each of us, what do we do about this? What are, what are, what's one small thing we can do about this teacher shortage, just in the roles that we're in, in the, uh, in the positions that we're in or globally, I will say one of the great things about the state of Texas, um, once again, I'm only speaking for the state of Texas. They have what's called the district of innovation, where I have that opportunity to hire somebody straight out of the kitchen for a culinary arts. They don't have to have a teacher certification in some aspects. They don't even have to have a bachelor's degree. They just need to, you know, have that, have that industry-based experience and, and, and some sort of, of, of education and training. But, um, oftentimes we, we suit, we, we, we shoot for that. But, but I think, I think just focusing more on that and figuring out a way to expand that opportunity past um, past CTE or, or, or languages other than English positions right now that, that, that DOI strict is not strictly folks, but there is a, an extreme focus on getting teachers in the classroom for those fields. Um, but, but how can we figure that out for the math, science, social studies and English field? That would be kind of my two cents on one of the ways to, to get teachers into the classroom. I think that individually as, uh, as our selves, <clears throat> excuse me, what we need to do is take a personal interest in helping to grow our own new staff. So like, look for people with potential, uh, you know, I, I don't work at a high school, but, um, if you were at a high school, you maybe you would, you know, identify some students who were would potentially be good teachers and, uh, you know, work them through a system in order for them to become teachers. Uh, for me, maybe to look at uh, our paraprofessionals and say, you know, you have the abilities to be a good teacher and then kind of work with them to try to get 
the requirements done so that we can move them, transition them into teaching roles. I think it's we're in a very human game. And so we need to make sure that we're doing it through a lot of our personal connection. Yeah, I think those are that's great, Marty. I, I love that. And, and Daryl, I love your your points as well. I think um, I, I, I think in general. We have got to figure out to in, in education, we need to tell our story better. And um, we're, we're, we're allowing other people to tell our story and it's not good. Um, and, you know, both locally and nationally, I don't, and, you know, I, I think the, the uh, we have to elevate the level is the essentialness of uh, the teacher, the role of the teacher, the educator, the classroom teacher. And, um, I think we have a great opportunity to do that right now with coming out of this, this pandemic. Uh, I mean, our teachers were first responders. Um, I mean, literally lifesavers, uh, kit, you know, the, the lifeline on the other end of the zoom call or the, you know, Google meet or whatever platform, um, that school districts used in, in the hybrid model and the you know, remote model and, you know, and, and then now back in person and whatever combination. So, um, I think that needs to be celebrated and, uh, you know, we've been, that, that's a lot of lip service, but we need more action. Um, and, and as teachers, we need to be able to tell our story and, um, and tell our own stories. You know what? Um, we have a lot of uh, opportunity for us to um, to project feedback, and we want you listeners to to send that feedback. So, so Jeff, tell us a little bit as we close up shop here. What do we do every episode? What are some things that our listeners can do as as they close out listening listening to to what we have to talk about? Yeah, if we have if if you're a first time listener, like Daryl said, or or because you know we've been on this hiatus for a while, and you forget, uh, and sometimes we get out of step. Literally, uh, we talk about the Texas two step, and and it, and if you're familiar with the Texas two step, it's two slow steps, uh, two quick steps, and so I we hope that as we got into this. Uh, this teacher shortage conversation that it caused you to to really kind of pause and then uh, and and to internalize some of your own thoughts and reflect and then move forward with that quick two steps and and how do you demonstrate that how do you practice that we would love again as Daryl said we'd love to hear from you and and Daryl's going to again tell you how to do that but thank you out there listeners um, we've uh, we've uh, gained some momentum. These uh, these episodes, these nine prior episodes, along with a uh, kind of a promo or trailer. So we hope to get back into this, you know, at least, you know, hopefully bi monthly or hopefully back to weekly episodes. But we can't do it without you. And we just challenge you to take that Texas two step with us. Yeah, definitely. You can follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can email us at uh, the Texan Connection 3 at gmail.com. Uh, Marty, any closing thoughts? You know, I'm so glad that we got this opportunity to get back together. I can't wait for 
the next few episodes where I have a feeling we are going to delve into some pretty hard-hitting educational issues. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Now, with that, we appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we would appreciate you sharing this podcast with any others that you feel would benefit from what we have to say. Um, Go ahead and follow if you have not done that. Uh, Like, share us, um, and we look forward to interacting with all of you soon. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to The Texan Connection. If you like this episode, please subscribe and share with all of your friends.